Morning Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. If you want to follow me there on Twitter, and it's Tuesday on the on the pregame show, we're going to be going over uh, yesterday's NBA slate. Uh, taking a look at uh, maybe a first first look at today's NBA slate. I don't know, right? I always say people that what how come sometimes you don't talk about today's slate enough? It's like well, if we talked about we talked about the NBA slate yesterday. And then, like uh, the twenty-five minutes before lock, uh, Tobias Harris is just poof gone, just gone. And all of a sudden, like, would I have thought about talking about Furkan Korkmaz at eleven o'clock in the morning? No, I wouldn't have. So, like, you, you never know what's going to happen. We got guys on the injury report. We didn't know if Embiid's going to play. Oh, down now, Drummond's in play. Then is Brogdon going to play? Is this guy going to play? Is this is, is who's going to show up for these games? Who knows? We don't know in the NBA. We got Bam questionable today. We got Aiden questionable today. We got Ingram questionable today. We got both James LeBron and AD questionable. Jayshon Sean Tate, Devontae Grand, Daniel Tice. What does it matter now? We could look at the projections now. I mean, we could take a look at, you know, if everything stays the way it is, like this is some things that we could do. But I mean, understand that, you know, you could throw that out in half a second, right? 20 minutes before lock, you just throw everything out. So, uh, so, so we'll we'll look through. So we got a new feature in Line of HQ that I want to go over a little bit. Uh, but as always, if you got any questions, got any comments, feel free to post them in the YouTube chat. I always scroll back, so don't worry about it. Right, a lot of times I go off on something for a half an hour, and then I scroll back, and I still get to your question. So give me those thummy thumbs. Give me the thummy thumbs in the morning. I got I got ginger ale. I I I, I, got, I put the apple juice in the refrigerator. Okay, I'm getting close. I'm getting close to the apple juice coming back for the pregame show. But I took the, the packs of apple juice that we had and, and now I put it in the fridge uh, this morning. So so it'll be cold for tomorrow. So if you want to keep it cold, if you want to keep it cold, hit those thummy thumbs, hit the thummy thumbs, get the subscribe button, the notification bell, just tap around on your screen. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but uh, yesterday, uh, find someone that didn't play Andre Drummond in their lineup and then just follow them around and it's like free money, right? Uh, Andre Drummond with the uh, Embiid out, it was 4,400 on DraftKings, 5,400 on FanDuel, uh, and scored uh, a, a lot of points. Uh, scored 56.75. I mean, he went for what, 12X or something? Uh, we take a look at uh, the ownership between the alley-oop, the box out, the fadeaway, and the four-point play. It's like, it's so, it's so obvious to see here the discrepancies between the lower stakes and the higher stakes, right? This is the 555. This is the $88 one. The fadeaway is the $15 large field and the four-point play is the $4.20 max. And uh, I, I said I said yesterday, the efficient ownership on Drummond at 4,400 on DraftKings is probably around 95%. And that's pretty much what he was played in the higher stakes. And at the lower stakes, 81% and 79%. And uh, a lot of people get into trouble by going, oh, I'm going to get different from fading Drummond. Right? I explained this yesterday that if you took Drummond out of your line, Drummond had such a high projection for his price that you sacrifice 12 points just to not play him. And how much ownership should be, you need to gain so much ownership discount in order to make up 12 points in the NBA that it's just not even worth it, right? So, so even though in the fadeaway, the $15 fadeaway, he was 81% owned, he was under-owned. It would be plus EV to play him, even at that ownership. Firkin Corkwins was 44% owned in the fadeaway. I think his efficient ownership was somewhere in like 65 to 70%. 
So he's plus EV to play in the lower stakes. He's much more efficient in the, in the, in the, in the higher stakes. Because we take a look at like the exposures of uh, in the fadeaway from a, a bunch of uh, sharp players uh, that play 150 max. And look, Drummond, 100, 100. Whistles go, didn't have him in one lineup. Hafner, e. Hafner didn't have him in one lineup. Scarlet Patrol, about 10% less lineups. But you can see wildly over, either either 100%, near 100%, or virtually 100%. Then you look at Corkman's at 3,500. Harris out, uh, pretty much not a lock button. I mean, not 100%, but you can see 87, 84, 82. E. Hafner, 99. Ship my money, 88. A Hubro, 98, 71, 88. So it's like, I mean, you were pretty much building lineups yesterday on DraftKings that were preloaded with Drummond and Corkmans. Uh, because if you didn't play these guys, like if you didn't play Corkmans, you lost about four or five points in projection. If you didn't play Drummond, you lost like 12. Okay. So yes, I could see not playing Corkmans and finding those, those points elsewhere and then getting the lower ownership for it. But it was probably easy enough to just go, I'll just play block both of those in and then and then I'll find a way to get different elsewhere. Okay. Because even at even at 44% in the fadeaway, he was under owned. So that's why everyone, everyone jammed, especially the late news, right? 25 minutes before lock, Tobias Harris COVID protocols. He's gonna be out for a couple of games, right? So you take a look. And then we also notice uh recency bias hits. Uh, lower stakes, high, uh, better than more so than higher stakes. So guys that have had recent good games, it doesn't matter what the results are. Remember, we're not going over the results. We're going over it like the, the, the ownership differences. So like Horford was more owned in the lower stakes. 21% of the four-point play, 14% in the alley-oop. We also like uh, Desmond Bain, 11% of the four-point play, 7% in the alley-oop. People that have had good games, Mild Bridges, 10% in the four-point play, 5% in the alley-oop. Right. You're, you're looking for those types of things. And that's why you could go through and see here, like we look at Miles Bridges, like he was 10 percent owned in the fadeaway, but like like barely anyone had. him, Right. A hobro at zero. Oxenduck has zero. The highest was a petty theft with eight percent. Right. So like under on these guys or Hor you can take a look at Horford across the board. A hobro had a bunch. OK. Building different types of lineups, but mostly across the board. It's like, you know. Why, why pay an increased ownership cost to play a guy that is more efficiently priced when the field is going to be over-owned on them because of the past uh, good games or two, right? That's typically reflected in the projections anyway. Horford's going to be more owned. You have, sometimes you have to adjust that yourself, like for the, for the recency, depending on the contest that you're playing. If you're playing the high-stakes stuff, you, if you're playing the higher-stakes contests, you probably don't have to adjust your ownership for, for biases as much, right? So like being talked up on a show that's very well listened to or, you know, recent, oh, he had two good games in a row or two bad games in a row, right? Like you could see like, oh, this guy sucks now, right? He'll be lower owned in the low stakes and higher owned in the high stakes. So depending on the contest that you play, you should be adjusting your, adjusting your ownership manually even. If you want, if you want to be more precise, right? Like we we have the ownership here. I mean, we don't have it up yet uh, this morning, or maybe I'll reload it. Maybe we have like preliminary. It doesn't matter. It's eleven in the morning. Who knows? Uh, yeah, we have it based on our uh, projections as of six oh nine, which are the algorithmically uh, made projections, which will be manually adjusted by our projections team. 
Uh, but going through, like you, you take a look and you, you know, you sort and you go, you know, who's, who's had some good games or whatever that may be over-owned in the lower stakes. And you go, okay, maybe I have to bump this guy up a little and that guy down, you know, do stuff like that, depending on the contest that you're playing. Cause we're, we're just like given uh, for the, for the large field stuff. So this, this technically is the lower stakes, but it, it doesn't necessarily compute the fact that psychologically a guy could project poorly yet still be more owned because people saw the last game he did well. And who knows what happened in the last game? Foul trouble. He got in, you know, and the, the other guy got into foul trouble. It was a blowout. I mean, who knows? Who knows what, what the hell happened? So, uh, so let me go through the YouTube chat a little bit. Uh, KJ, could you talk a little bit about some ways to determine the efficient ownership of a player? Uh, I mean, a lot of that is feel. A lot of that you play often enough. Like, it's kind of weird. I'm, I'm very good at projecting ownership uh, from, from an intuitive sense. But you could just run lineups. I mean, like, if I could run 300 lineups, right? Right? With our current, with our current projections. So let me go into build rules. We got one, we're spending whatever, whatever it is. So you build 300 lineups. You're going to get a lot. You're going to get the most highest projected players. So we're going to get a lot of Bam. We're going to get a lot of Giannis as like the, the payups. Probably going to get a lot of Cade Cunningham. Going to get a lot of Kelly Olynyk. It also depends on the, the positions that these guys are in. So like, what's, where's the small forward? Grayson Allen. We can get a ton of Grayson Allen. Okay, but it's not like they're projected like they're just projected like one point better than other people. Right, so we're running 300 lineups. To see, and these are just like the top optimal, like there's no, there's no nothing. I'm not, I'm not trying to solve for anything else other than give me the best line, 300 best lineups based on this median projection. They're going through it to see how often do people show up in, in lineups. So at, an, at a salary adjusted value of, of, of 5.14 and 4.3 here between Bam and Giannis, like Giannis's efficient ownership probably is around for this slate, maybe 30, 35%. Same for like Bam, somewhere in that range. He fills two, two spots, so he's probably a little bit more valuable than, than Adebayo. Based on, our, like I said, based on our current ownership. Right, so look, we're getting Bam, Cade, George Hill, Grayson Allen, Giannis, right, because we have Middleton out and Holiday's been out. So you take a look at this. So this is our projected ownership, right? And this is our this is how much it comes up. So you have to expect that Bam should be the highest owned player. Giannis should be the highest owned, like high range player. So now we're looking for like instances where it's like, look, we're getting a lot of Thanasis over his ownership. But that that's a fragile projection because we don't know what the the but starting lineup is going to be. So getting Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, Devin Booker. Boyan, Gobert. So you look through all of these and you go in the top 300 lineups. Like who is more likely to be over-owned? Brandon Ingram, maybe. Right? He's only showing up in four out of 300 lineups, but he's going to be 12. We have him projected for 12% ownership. Now, obviously that changes if he doesn't play. Right? We take a look and we, we're just not getting some of Jonas Valanciunas at 9%. Maybe his efficient ownership is maybe only 5%. Take a look at Donovan Mitchell. He may be over-owned. Right? Just take a look at here. Who's going to be under-owned, maybe? 
it's quite possible that Rashawn Holmes goes under owned. Sadiq, well, now that's about even. So you go through all of these and just see like who shows up more than others. And then you adjust and you go, well, Bam, if Bam's efficient ownership, like is not obviously 97% owned, right? But if he's going to be projected on to 39, he, maybe his efficient ownership is 45. Cade's efficient ownership, because I mean, you also take a look at how many points that you sacrifice if you don't play them. So when these numbers are higher, these salary adjusted plus minuses are higher. That means they, you have more of a cost to not play them. You have to get the ownership with them. But look how many are in this like one to range to negative one. Like, do you have to play George Hill? No. He just project, he projects one point better than some other guys. I mean, like, it, it's not that dramatic. You're only you're not sacrificing much by not playing George Hill. You're not sacrificing much by not playing Grayson Allen or Kelly Olinick or something like that. You're, you're sacrificing a lot more by not playing Bam or not playing Giannis. So go through and just say, okay, I think people, I think Bam's efficient ownership maybe is 45. Maybe he's 50. Come up with a number. It's yours to judge. Maybe you're like, no, no, maybe he should be 50% owned on the slate. Maybe Giannis should be 40% owned on the slate. Okay. So now you're going to put that in because now you want it. What do those lineups look like? When those players are at that ownership, you're going to run 300 again, right? Cade Cunningham, you take a look at Cade Cunningham. His projected ownership is 32%, but I mean, you're sacrificing essentially a point or two by not playing him. So should he be, should he be 80% though? No, he shouldn't be. He's a 23 minute, 20, 23 point projection. He's 3,600 and he fits in a, in a shooting guard spot, which may be weak today. So you go, it's like, what's his efficient ownership? Is he going to be over-owned? Is he going to be under-owned? Like George Hill, what's his, is it, is it, should he be 36% owned? Maybe he should only, maybe he should only be 30% owned. Maybe Cade Cunningham should only be 35% owned. Like around, around, I mean, the, the, these ownerships are fairly efficient. Maybe Grayson Allen, very similarly, 30% owned. Kelly Olenek, 30% owned. Chris Paul, maybe he should, his efficient ownership should be like, like 28 or 25. Maybe Rashawn Holmes should be 25. You go something like that. So now once you put these caps in, now run lineups again. So now we're going to run 300 lineups. If I believe that this is what the efficient ownership is, well, let, then let's see what other things show up. Who comes in higher or lower than the projected ownership based on the projections? It's like, well, if Grayson Allen should be 30% owned, but will be 40, well, where would the ownership be going if he was efficiently owned? If Cade Cunningham is going to be 32% owned, and he should, but he should be 35, well, now he's going to get ownership that's going to come in the efficient, where you, we're trying to create the efficient marketplace. So Adebayo is going to get ownership in this efficient marketplace that's going to come out of some other guy. Right, because we his projected ownership is thirty nine, and we're saying it should be fifty. So eleven percent of ownership is going to go towards him and away from other people. So where are they going? Where is it going away from? Probably other centers, probably like Gobert or something like that. So now we take a look at this. So we run it again at our efficient-ish type of ownerships. We get a lot of Thanasis. 
So maybe Thanasis shouldn't be 3% owned. He probably shouldn't be 58% owned, but probably he should be closer owned to guys like Nora and Allen and Giannis. Obviously, it's, it's a fragile situation. We don't know what the starters are going to be for the Bucks and what their rotation is going to be. So we look around and we go, okay, maybe Thanasis, sh- maybe Thanasis should be 20% owned. He's going to be, and we haven't projected for 3.4, but he should be 20. We have Grant for 23, but maybe, maybe on the other side of that, that Bucks game, maybe he, he should be. He should be 35. Booker comes up a lot. Porter comes up a lot. We have to, uh, Gobert comes up a lot as a second center. So maybe, maybe is Gobert going to be over-owned? Is, is, Rashad, is that because of Rashawn Holmes? See, we're not building lineups here. Remember, I'm using the exposures to kind of do research. And go, I don't think people are going to play Gobert enough. I think, I mean, Gobert 25% here. Kevin Porter, is he going to be under-owned? Bojan may be under-owned based on our caps here. So maybe Bojan's efficient ownership is more like, instead of 17, it's more like 25. Maybe Booker's ownership, instead of 19, should, should, should be 30. Kevin Porter shouldn't be 16. He should be more like 25. Sadiq Bey shouldn't be 17. He should be more like 25. Davion Mitchell shouldn't be 13. Maybe he should be more like... 50 or 18 or something. Michael Bridges, right? So you do this and then you run another 300 lines, right? I mean, if you want to try, if, if you're trying to like estimate efficient ownership like this, you go, well, efficient ownership on Booker should be 30, which is higher than is projected. Well, where does all of this ownership go to now? Right? So you run, you run it again. So where, where does, once I think that that's his efficient ownership, well, where does it go to? And wherever it goes to, that, that guy's most likely going to be under-owned because people are going to be playing other players more than that. Now, the problem with doing this at 11 o'clock in the morning is that when, once projections and ownership changes, it, it just all this goes out the window. Can you, do this, can you do this type of process quickly uh, 20 minutes before lock? I mean, I guess you can. Or, or you play, or you do this often enough where you think in your head often enough that, you don't have to have a scientific process. Right, so, well, if this guy's going to be on, then that guy can't be owned. If this guy's going to be a payup option, then that guy can't, like, you think in terms of how the line, if this center is going to be this owned, then this other center can't be. Well, the shooting, that small forward spot is a weak position, so most likely people are paying up in that position. Like, you start to learn things from doing it over and over and over again. So, right, we're running 300, Right. So we're getting a lot of J- Jordan Warren. Maybe he's going to be under-owned. Maybe, maybe he should be because people are going to play Hill and, and other guys like that. Maybe he should be 20, which is a little bit higher than 16.5. Maybe Michael Bridges should be, should be 25, but not 16.8. Maybe Aiton should actually higher on, especially with the Q tab. Maybe he should be 25. Jalen Green maybe should be 20, right? We start finding these guys. But I want to get to the point where, like, the highest owned guys are all the guys that I've capped. So essentially, like, when I get to the screen and, like, I should see, like, all the guys that I've capped up here, not, nothing, nothing that shoots to the top. It's like we had Booker shoot to the top. It's like, okay, so it looks like Booker may be under-owned today. But he's not going to – his efficient ownership isn't 60%. Like, that's obviously not his efficient ownership. 
for his likelihood of success. So you go through it, you think. I mean, you can visualize this in your head. And then you could go through and you go, okay, who's under and over on? I mean, on this run over here, I could see, you know, like maybe Donovan Mitchell may be over-owned. Luca may actually be over-owned. Westbrook could maybe over-owned. Brandon Ingram. Buddy Heald. Not about the same. Pat Connington's not coming up an, as much on the Bucks. Based on our current projections. I always have to put that in. Based on our current projections and current ownership. Which right now is, is, is algorithmically made and has not been checked. All right now we're getting a lot, of, a lot of Harrison Barnes, Jimmy Butler. So maybe these are the guys that are under owned, especially what they're small forward eligible. So maybe Harrison Barnes should be 25% owned and Butler should be 25% owned. Right? And you go through it and then now you start comparing. You can go, you know, if it, uh, Devontae Graham's going to be 7.8% owned, maybe I have none of them. Doesn't seem like he, he deserves to be 7% owned. Doesn't seem like Jay Sean Tate deserves to be 13% owned. Or Luca, like in comparison, Luca shouldn't be 14 in comparison to other play, in, to, in comparison to Giannis. Here's, here's, a, here's a methodology. Is, is, it an, is it an absolutely precise methodology? Of course not. But it's something, right? What do what the top projected look, 300 lineups look like? If 50% of the field plays BAM, bing. What do the top 300 lineups look like when 50% of the people play VAM and 40% of the people play Giannis? Bam. Right? Like, that's essentially what you're doing. You're utilizing lineup HQ to see what those lineups look like. What would the, what would the field of 300 look like with these ownership percentages? And these are what the lineups would look like. You have some type of you know simulated lineups that you could run. And if you wanted to simulate all these lineups into, you know, some type of type of some type of algorithm based on the contest that you're playing, you could do that also. Will people play three pistons together? I mean, you could you could you could get even more detailed into that. But here, I'm just looking. I'm just looking for just general general ranges based on our current projections. You put in your projections that may be different. You're going to get different lineups. You're going to get different everything. Maybe your if you have your own projections that have bam three points lower then obviously his efficient ownership isn't 50%. His efficient ownership, he may be overall based on just a three-point difference in projection. Right? Oh, it's going to be 39% on, but he only shows up at 12% of my lines. Right? He's overall. But it all depends on the projection set. You know, more accurate projections, the better. There's always going to be a margin error of a couple of points. Going through the YouTube chat. Uh, do, 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 do. Jan Lambert says NBA is insane. Just start building 30 minutes before lock. That, you, do you understand why I, I'm, that's what I do? An hour, typically an hour, you know, five, the five thirty Eastern injury report that that's when, that's when I start like, okay, now, now we can start looking at stuff, right? Cause you can just throw out everything that you're going to do like for most of the day anyway. Okay. Joe Clary, you made 20K on NBA cash last year, but on the podcast with Eric, you said it's not worth it. Why is that? Since you just press a button for lineups, there's no time loss. 
I don't necessarily just always play the optimal lineup. Obviously, I need to make late swaps. Uh, on the podcast that I did with Eric, I'm specifically talking about NFL, not NBA. Right? MLB, I don't even play cash games, so I don't even have to worry about that. It was more NFL. NBA, I have no problem playing cash. Right? I just, you know, multiple sites, diversify, and just let it run. I have no, I have no problem with that whatsoever. It's more of the NFL. Uh, Michael Dompia says, I didn't want to play Korkmaz, Kareem, Yang, Maxi together. So is it rational to not have Korkmaz in lineups with those? I guess so. You have to see what those lineups look like. What is the projection of the lineup and what is the total ownership? Like, that's it. How much are you sacrificing by not having Korkmaz in those lineups? Is it worth it? That, that's the question that you're answering. Obviously, once you take Korkmaz out of that lineup, you're going to be sacrificing projection. How much? See, I don't know. If you're only sacrificing a point in projection, you're like, it's worth it to, to not play them together. Okay, is that point worth it? Okay. The ownership obviously goes down also. So if you're only sacrificing one point, like, okay. Let's say you're sacrificing three points by doing that. Is that worth it? Let's say you're sacrificing seven points. Is that worth it? What's the correct answer? I don't know what the correct answer. You have to judge for yourself. Is, is sacrificing seven points worth it? Probably not. I would say probably not. You'd have to get a massive ownership discount to sacrifice seven points, one or two points, then sure. Yeah, then you that's how you determine whether or not it's worth it to do. Right? You say, I I don't want to play all these four guys together. Let's uh, let me take Corkman's out and play the, the lower owned guys together. Uh well, what what how much rejection am I giving up and what am I gaining in ownership? And if you believe that that, that trade-off is worth it, then it's fine. Uh, Ruben says, how do you project Gore to be, be put in instead of Daryl Williams? No one, no one could. What, uh, Derek Gore from last night on the Chiefs? Dude, he wasn't even projected. He was, he was an unprojected player. Like literally unprojected, I mean, literally unprojected in, in projection systems yesterday. Because obviously he was active, but just like he's a practice squad running back. They just, you know, you don't even pay attention. They like, okay, whatever. They just gave he wasn't even in the winning lineup in the big GK DKGPP. It was only 0.28% owned. So that wasn't the type of thing that if you go through sharp players' builds, like no one, no one had this guy. Okay. He was he was un, he was literally unprojected. Uh, John Brockmeyer says, I really enjoyed your appearance in the Grinders live show yesterday evening. Well, thank you. I'm sure you hate the who should I play. Yeah, well, I tried. I try to get away from who because who should play it doesn't matter. But I try, I try to inform. I try to, I try, I'm trying to teach people to think in terms of lineups and not players. I try to do it in the best way possible. But still, one v one, just get projections, right? Should I play this guy or that guy? Well, if there was no other context, play the guy with the higher number. There you go. Because what else would you be doing? Oh, let's see. Uncrabby Cabby. Hey, Jordan, for the players on your initial run of 300, for those players who are showing up towards the bottom, for example, 1% to 10% of lineups who have some ownership, do you look to add these guys to lineups? Well, no, I just look to see where they possibly fit in. That's why I said you have to keep on running. And where, where if, if Bam, because in the first run, we take a look at the first run, like these are all cash lineups, right? Bam's not going to be 97% owned. Kate Cunningham's not going to be 92% owned. He's going to be something. 
right? So you want to look at what you want to simulate what the efficient you want to simulate. It's not really simulating. You want to you want to present a 300 lineup set of what you believe the efficient market is. So it's not 97%. What is it? Is it 40? Is it 50 for BAM? If he plays, obviously. So once you put 50 on BAM, obviously, well, if 50% of lineups have banned, then the other 50 have them from someone else, not 97%. So that was the purpose of going through all of that. Because in this first run, like, like if we look at like, where, where's Devin Booker in this run? Right? He's someone that got, like, got pushed up, 19%. So you'd say here and you go, Oh, I guess he's efficiently owned. Yeah, yeah, he is efficiently owned if Bam was 97% efficiently owned. If Kate Cunningham was 92% efficiently owned. But these are obviously way too high to be efficient. Bam shouldn't be. Drummond is 97% efficiently owned yesterday. Bam doesn't have that type of projection. So you have to put in what is his efficient ownership. So once you start putting those in, someone like Booker, who's coming in at 19, is going to start coming in way higher. So it's like in a world where Bam's efficient ownership is 50% and Giannis is 40%, Booker's really should be 30% and not 19 of what he's projected to be. So that's essentially what we're doing. You're trying to recreate an efficient market of ownership. And you're, you're only estimating here, obviously. And then compare it to the actual, to the, to the projected. And then you obviously, now you're comparing that to the actual once the slate comes. So that's essentially what you're doing here. And you could do you could do this by by you could do this manually. Like I do I have to run this like this? No. Once you're used to doing this, I I I I can I can point it out like that. But that's that's I can, it's hard to teach the intuitive how to do that. Just you do it so uh, it's it's similar to poker. How do you calculate the odds of certain hands all so quickly? It's like because you, you you've done it seven hundred million times. Uh, let's see. Okay, also, if I want to build 20 lineups in a 200-entry $1 contest in NFL, is there a rough ownership percentage I could aim for? Is it, well, yes, it's wildly different from week to week. Yes. Uh, let's see. Michael Dompia says, I, I want to say don't teach people on free shows, but this show is free. It's literally the best teaching for DFS I've found. And if, you, if, you, if you've also noticed that, you know, you go into some of the comment sections when I'm on shows and people just... And, you can give it all for free and people still don't listen. So what does it matter? Right, Michael? What does it matter? We'll keep it to ourselves, right? Anyone can watch all these shows and they can get better. I get emails and DMs all the time. Oh, I've been playing for five years. Watch a couple of these shows and six months later, you know, bing, bong, bing, I'm a profitable player, right? So like, if you don't want to listen, that's fine. Like, that's why I do it, right? If, 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 everyone, was, if everyone would actually listen to me, like I, I, I wouldn't actually do these shows anymore because then like, how the hell do I make money? But I know that 95% of people just look at this and either go, I don't have to do that or they go, they don't want to do the work or they just argue with me saying, no, it, I, I, I knew Jimmy Butler would be hot, right? Like that type, that type of crap. Uh, but let me, let me show uh, the, the, sta the stacking tool. Let me reset my settings. So I get rid of all this, all this, uh, all the, the, the exposure caps and everything. Okay, we have a new feature in Lineup HQ that is optional. This is not, you don't, don't use this as, oh, this is the way to play NBA DFS. This is not like NFL. This is not like MLB. Remember, correlations in NBA are very weak. Okay, but we have a stack tool similar to NBA and NFL 
in NBA. So for instance, let's say on this slate, right? We're going to build a hundred lineups or let, let's do it to make it quicker. Let's build 50 lineups. Okay. And we have that, you know, Milwaukee value today, right? Let's say you wanted to, you wanted to make sure to play three bucks and two, you want in every, in, in whatever amount of lineups you want, I'm going to take out everyone but the Milwaukee Detroit game. It's like, I want to play three bucks and two Pistons in 100% of my lineups, or maybe in 50% of my lineups, right? I'm going to add another one. I want to play three bucks and one Piston. Maybe you do some, maybe that, that, maybe we're doing it three different ways, right? Three and two, three and one. And maybe we're playing, maybe we're playing three and zero from the Pistons, right? So you want to make sure you play three, like, let, let's say you're just going to separate that. I want three and two and 40% of my lineups. I want three and one and 40% of my lineups. And I want three and none, no pistons and 20% of my lineups. Right? See, right? Team one, team two. Right? So you use the, the game stacks just like you would do in NFL. Right? And let's say you want to add to that and you say, I want to play one guy from this team and one guy from that, you know, whatever you want to do. Or one guy and none, none from the other side of the game. This is a, you could do these things through groups. It just takes forever. You have to make so many groups in order to do this. So let's make this easy. I'm going to get rid of these two. So it's like, I want to make 100% of lineups with three Milwaukee, two Detroit. And there you go. Like, I, I just had to do this. I press, well, I still got to put in something. It's going to yell at me. Put in some zeros. Okay. No, it's team one, team two. Like if we see here, it's like apply these to teams as team one, right? As oh, okay, I okay, I didn't see that. That's not the way it should work, but whatever. Apply this to teams as team one, okay? Because it's already a game stack. Devin coming in in my ear to 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 tell me. Okay, so th this this probably will give you three pistons also. Right, are we going to get three piston lineups? I mean, we're, pro we're probably not going to get, oh yeah, here we go. The Bucks actually project better. So let's run it again by just selecting Milwaukee. So we should get three Bucks and two Pistons in every lineup. Obviously, Kate Cunningham probably going to be in all of them. So here you go. Hill, Allen, Giannis with two Pistons. You get all these lineups like that. Obviously, you get a lot of Hill, a lot of Allen. You get Thanasis. You get some Nuora. You get some Portis, right? Obviously, you could change the exposures. Like, well, I want more of this guy and more of that guy. You could do that. So it gives you the option. Instead of having to set up a player group of like, if Giannis is in the lineup, play two Pistons, right? If, if George Hill is in the lineup, play a Piston. You know, like, you don't have to set up all those groups anymore. If you want to do that type of any type of game stack type of thing, 
Let's say you wanted to add a second one, right? You take a look at some, some, some projected players. So who projects well together? Let's see. Colbert, Holmes, Olenek. It's most like Luca, Booker, Miami, Dallas. Not that much. Donovan Mitchell, Utah, Sacramento. Let's say you wanted to play two sides of that game. You go, if I play Rudy Gobert, I want to play Harrison Barnes or something. If I play Donovan Mitchell, I want to play Rashawn Holmes. Maybe you do something like that. Maybe. But if you wanted to, instead of setting up the player groups, go to the second game stack. If you want this in, in all of your lineups and you go, I want, and, and you could also do it by position if you want. And you go one, one, and I don't care either. Obviously either side, I don't, I don't care about. Right. So Sacramento, Utah, and I want that in hundred percent of my lineups. I mean, I don't know if you should be doing it in hundred percent, but let's just say, so I should be getting three, two, three bucks, two Pistons, then one, one Sacramento, one Utah Jazz player. Like every lineup. Depending on, obviously, the higher projected lineups, the better. Go through here, and here you go. Bojan Bogdanovic and Rashawn Holmes with three bucks and two Pistons. Here's Gobert and Davion Mitchell. Here's Bojan and Rashawn Holmes. Bojan and Harrison Barnes, right? And you can take a look at the projection. You can take a look at the ownership, right? You can do stuff like that. But let's say, let's say for instance, like you don't want them, you'd like, you don't want them in all the lineups, but in half of the lineups, I could put 50% here. Let's say I don't want three, two in 100% of my lineups. Maybe some, I'm, 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 I want to play three Milwaukee Bucks. But maybe I only want to play one piston, which is most likely going to be Cade Cunningham. I want that in 50% of my lineups. And I want this game, Sacramento, Utah. But in the other 50% of my lineups, I want New Orleans, Phoenix. Any, any. Maybe you want to do that. I mean, you don't have, like I said, you don't have, these are the types of things you don't have to do. But if you wanted to, this is, if you wanted to make these types of game type of correlations, it's easier to do it this way than do it in, you'd have to make 20 groups in order to accomplish this. Now you don't have to make 20 groups to accomplish this. You could just do it this way. So in 50% of my lineups, I want 3-2 Milwaukee. 50% I want 3-1 Milwaukee. And then as part of those lineups, I want 1-1s of Sacramento, Utah, and 1-1s of New Orleans, Phoenix and build 50 lineups. And if you don't want 50 of anything, it could be 50% of this and then nothing else. And just the other 50% is whatever fits. Like these don't have to add up to 100%. So here we go. Here's the one. Here's the Milwaukee 3-2 with the uh, Sacramento, Utah 1-1. Here's Chris Paul. as just a one-off. Here's Devin Booker as Devin Booker. And do we have any Pelicans? Where are the Pelicans? They don't project as well. So obviously these Pels are going to be kind of towards the bottom, I guess. Herbert Jones, right? Chris Paul, Herbert Jones. That sounds, and here's Jonas. Jonas with Booker. But you can obviously take a look at the projections here and see that they're, they come in much lower, right? Versus the top. Because obviously the Pelicans don't project as well today. 
like Brandon Ingram. Let's take a look at some Brandon Ingram lineups, right? Ingram, Paul. Right, let's look at three and Jeremy Grant. So this one doesn't have Kate Cunningham in it. Right, so you're getting, this is one of those three, one bucks with the one, one Pelican Suns. Right, so you could do, you could, I mean, you could find, find any use that you can for this. But like I said, this isn't the this it this isn't the way to play NBA. This you don't just like okay, I'm I'm not going to look at anything like you do at MLB. Like right, MLB, I'm just going to stack five guys, three guys from the other team, and just whatever happens. Like NBA doesn't have strong correlations. These are very weak correlations. All the stacking interface is meant for is that if you're going to do these types of things, it's easier to do it this way than do it with groups, right? If you want to make sure that. Well, if I'm playing Luca in a lineup, I'm playing two guys from the other side of the game because I expect it to go over and I want to, and you know, and I, and obviously they all project well, right? Like, obviously, you know, you, you shouldn't be giving up five points in projection for this and no ownership for the sake of correlation in NBA because the correlations are very weak. But if you had the choice between two players, one that's correlated, one that's not, and they're the same projection, the same ownership, take the, take the, take the weak correlation. So if you wanted to set up things like that, where even at just as simple, if we get rid of this, even as simple, let's say we do get rid of this and say in, in 100% of my lineups, if I have Giannis, like maybe uh, uh, if I have Giannis or, or someone, I mean, you could obviously set up uh, that as a group. But let's say just you want to make sure that if I have one, if I have one player from uh, from the Bucks, then I need to have at least one player from the other side. If you want to do a specific player, it's much easier to do it via player groups. So, like in player groups, you'd put in let's say Giannis as the conditional, and then add like Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay, and you know Cade Cunningham, whoever you'd add, whoever on the Bucks that you want if you were just using one player just like i don't care about george hill i don't care about pat connington i don't care about portis and Wara and anyone else on the bucks but i know that if i if Giannis is in the lineup he needs to be run that i want him run back with at least one to two of these of these pistols that would be better left off as a group because you're just you're keying on one player but let's say it's like, well, if George Hill's in the lineup, I want Pistons. If this guy's in the lineup, now, now you, now you, now you're starting to make like five groups for every every team. Some of these groups may actually interfere with one another. So, like today's situation is a perfect example of most likely people will be playing a lot of Bucks, and people will also be playing Pistons. But maybe you want to make sure that you're playing three two in some of your lineups, and 3-1 in other of your lineups. Maybe you're playing four bucks. Maybe your, your attitude is too many people are playing three or four bucks in their lineup, and I only want to play two of them. So I'm going to play two bucks and one piston and see what those lineups look like. It's so much easier to do that now using the stacks feature in the NBA dashboard, similar to how you do it in the NFL. I mean, you could even do these types of things for like negative correlation if you wanted to i mean this is a hack but let's say you didn't want to play uh 
Gobert and go and uh, Rashawn Holmes together, right? So Sacramento, Utah, right? The the easier way to do this is obviously go in here, and you go. I don't want to play Holmes and Gobert. Gobert together, right? You go in here, set up a group, zero one, max one. You could do it that way. That that would probably be the easiest way to do simple things like that. But another way to do it is obviously you could just use the stacks feature and say in 100% of my lineups, Sacramento center one, other team zero, which means it won't play anyone from the other side of the game. Right? If that's what you want, if you don't mind that, I mean, you could just build those lineups as part of Sacramento. Well, it depends on maybe Utah, do that. There's a way to do it. I have no idea. I'm, I'm some something in Bill's rules is screwing up. Probably not the easiest way to do it, but it is a way. So experiment with these, if you want. If this is if this is how you build lineups. If you build lineups and you're used to making thirty or forty groups on an NBA slate, you could eliminate probably seventy-five to eighty percent of them, and utilize it this way, much easier than using these player groups. So that's that's the reason why the feature has been been, been uh, implemented, not because this is the primary way that you play NBA, that you should be doing. Oh, game stack this, game stack that, game stack that, weave it all together, and that's like those lineups could be poor, very poorly projected, right? Yeah, Herbert Jones, right? You're getting really poor projection because it's forcing guys in. It's going, oh, well, you need I need two of this and one of that and whatever it gives me, and uh, it doesn't matter even though the projection is 25 points lower because you're just forcing it in. So that's not really the way to play, but this saves time on the groups. It also helps maybe on smaller slates, three-game slate, right? Just like I'm going to stack a game, right? I'm going to – I want my – right? on a smaller slate, you would do something like this. You'd say, like, I'm going to set up, and you just set up for all the teams and say, like, for all the teams, I want three guys from one side and three guys from the other side. Right. Right. It's an eight man lineup. You have to play three. You have to play three teams on a slate, three players from a slate. So you go, I just want three from one side of the game and three from the other side. Of the game. I don't care which games they are. Right. Just give me three and three. Right. And then you just ignore the other two games, except for one, one offs of each, since you have to do that. Like that, that could be useful. And then you see what lineups show up. Then you see what, what are the best projected game stack type of lineups like that. And then you play those. Maybe you want to do that in only 50% of the lineups. And the other 50%, you just, you know, you have a mishmash of, you know, here and there. But then it's like, no, I want three, three game stacks. Four, two game stacks, whatever. I mean, you say you set it up whatever way you want. And maybe you set it up and you run lineups and you go, oh, oh, these, these lineups look awful. And then you don't, then you don't do it, right? So you'd use it as a, a research tool to some extent, but it's a time saver. So I just wanted to show that off as a time saver, not as that shouldn't be the first place you go from a strategic perspective. Going through the YouTube chat. Let's see. <coughs> Right, Trey says, old way for NBA, you needed 20-plus groups to do this. Right, exactly. That, that is exactly the point. If you were the type of person that's like, I need to have a run back with this guy and I had to do that and see what the lineups look like, 
So I've been testing, because I've been testing this feature for like two or three weeks. So I'm like, okay, if I needed to do a group-wise, to do all these things in my head for a certain slate, I would do that and I would put in like 30 groups. And then it's like, okay, can I do this with the stacks feature? And then like, like 25 out of the 30 groups became redundant. And it's like, oh, this is so much, this is so much easier. If you do it, if you do those types of groups. Michael Dompia says, this is a great new feature if it works. I spend most of my 90 DFS hours per week on NBA groups. Do, do, do. Bob Bass, why would I adjust ownership? That's what we're paying for. I had to listen to another site to get some true perspective on Sixers ownership. Well, you're adjusting ownership for the contests that you're playing. Okay? For the contests that you're playing. If you're playing higher stakes contests versus lower stake contests, the ownership will be different. The projections that we normally have at Roto Grinders or for the large field contests. I many times am playing the single entry three max and higher stake stuff. When Drummond gets projected for 70, 72% ownership in the large field, I mean, we've looked at this, right? When he gets projected for, you know, oh, 80% ownership, it's like, no, I know he's going to be like 95 in the contest that I play. Now, if Andre Drummond's going to be 95, that means other guys. I have to drop down. Firkin Korkmaz, if we have projected for 40-ish percent owned, now yeah, that's for large field. But if I'm playing, if I'm playing the, the $33 or whatever or the $88 box out, I have to I have to change the ownership. I need I need to change the ownership. That's not the contest that I'm playing. The chalk tends to be chalkier in the higher stakes, smaller field contests. So if I'm trying to compare lineups, projection versus ownership, like, well, the ownership I need to change for what I for what I think. Then also late late uh, also recency bias and late news is things that are subject to so much variance. Well, the math says, and uh, everything logical says that Al Horford should only be eight percent on, but he's had a couple of good games. In the higher stakes, it'd probably still be 8%. It'd probably, it, that would probably be accurate. But in lower stakes with more casual players, or they're more subject to game log watching, they may be higher owned. Now, how, how, how much higher owned? I have no idea. We see in NFL all the time that happens. We go, why is this guy? Why, why, why did this guy get ownership? Oh, because he had a good game last week. Like, well, he should have been 4% owned. He ended up coming in at 11%. Like there's no other reason other than, you know, there's human psychology. It's hard to predict that. And where, and how much is that going to affect certain other players? But then, but then on top of that, like it all relates to everything else on the slate for late news. So like, there's a difference between if right now today, if BAM gets ruled out now for today's game, the ownership is probably going to be efficient by, by seven o'clock Eastern. Everyone's going to adjust for it. What time is that, uh, that Miami game? 7.30. If BAM gets ruled out at 6.50 p.m. Eastern, Javali bumps up like dead minute. It, it changes everything. Like, if we knew that now, like, like Deadman is active, right? Right. Like, Deadman's 3,800. 
His efficient ownership with Bam in is like 1%. His efficient ownership if Bam is out, he probably, he's going to get all those. He's going he's, he's to come up to, you know, 32 minutes. <clears throat> going to project for like almost nine point per dollar. I mean, like he's going to be one of those, he's going to be one of those players similar to Drummond last night. Maybe not as high, but he's someone that probably should be 80% on. But there's only 10 minutes to react. So how, how do you project that? What will Denman be owned in the large field $15 contest in that situation? Probably not 80%. He's not gonna, he's not gonna end up being what he should be owned. But he's also not gonna be 10%. I mean, there's gonna be enough people that react that he maybe he ends up being 40%. Maybe he ends up being 60%. Maybe he ends up being 28%. Like, how do you judge that? Like that, that's that's tough. Mathematically, he should be 80%. So judging that, you're, you, have, you have to do that. We can put in all the ownership we want, but in, ten, in a 10 minute time period, based on human psychology, it's impossible to predict. The, 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 the range of outcomes on that is gonna be very wide. Typically, the later it is, the more likely that, that they're gonna come in lower than you think, right? So if Bam gets ruled out at 10 minutes before lock, be more inclined to jam Dwayne Dedman than to, you know, I'm going to fade for ownership. It's like he's not going to be as high owned as he should be. If Bam gets ruled out now, Dedman may end up being over right? He may end up being over or more efficiently. But that's not something that you could necessarily get perfectly when it comes to doing it mathematically. Anything involving human psychology you have to adjust for. It's not going to be major, but that's what you have to do. That's part of the skill of DFS. Oh, uh, let's see. Sneaksy, shakesy. I get the stacks, but how do you know on which lights to use more than one unique? Well, uniques have nothing to do with anything. You can use whatever uniques you want. Uniques, that's a diversification tool. Shakesy, what uh, the best suggestion I could give to you? I know this may sound weird and it mo- may sound harsh. The settings on the optimizer do not matter. They do not matter whatsoever. I would highly suggest that you hand build your lineups for at least one year before touching an optimizer. Okay, hand build twenty lineups. I did that for two years. I. I Two, I didn't. I started playing October 2015. Didn't didn't touch a tool like this until probably the summer of 2017. And I played baseball, right? So I was I was hand building 12 lineups for baseball, 15 lineups for baseball. Stack, 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 stack. Five guys here, three. I was doing that myself. Because then you learn about roster construction. Then you learn. Then you could vision. Then you could. Let me take a look at the highest projected guys. Okay, how do I jam them all? In? Okay, well. Well, I need to use a small forward here because there's no value small forward. So I'm going to pay up there and you do that. And then you go, okay, that's like a cash line. So how do, how do I make a lineup that has similar project has slightly lower projection, but I get dramatic ownership difference. So then I go through and it. see like who, who's has a higher. And then I look at the players that would fit that scenario. And then I swap people out. And so how does this fit? How does that fit? How does this fit? 
And you do that enough times and you learn and you start visualizing like how, how these lineups should look like. Once you start visualizing that and when you're like, oh, now, now you're starting to do those swaps quicker. 2v2 here, 3v3 there. Oh, if this guy's going to be owned, that guy's not going to be owned. If this guy's this guy's going to be under-owned and that guy, and then you start moving stuff around. People aren't going to play double center this day. And then people, people are going to jam in all the guards, which makes like a, a high price guard, like Trey Young is going to be way under-owned because everyone's jamming in value guards. Like you start doing all of this and you do it over and over and over again. Now you get used to it. And then now, now you're using the tool for efficiency. So one unique, one unique player is just a diversification. It's like, oh, I want 20 lineups, but the only difference between the lineups is one player. So you're doing 1v1s in all your lineups, which means you're going to have a very condensed like pool of players, which is fine if those are 20 good lineups. Just understand that you have put all your eggs in one basket. If you want to put your eggs in a little bit more baskets, then you increase the amount of uniques they have per lineup. But in and of itself, it doesn't change if the lineups are good or not, four uniques get you more diverse, but it, your, your 17th, 18th, 19th, and 20th lineup may be awful because of it. So if those lineups aren't good, maybe it's better off to play the guys that were in the other lineups anyway. You find some other, some other lineups. You're playing lineups, not players. So there are plenty of times I go through hundreds upon hundreds of lineups. I do 300 sets. I find lineups. I go down. I go, this projects here at this ownership. And then delete the ones that don't fit. <clears throat> and I, out of 300 lineups, I delete 220 of them. And I get, I get left with 80 lineups. I'm only playing 10, right? So I get 80 lineups. And it turns out in all those 80 lineups, 95% have this guy. It's like, which ones don't have that guy? Like if I don't want to play like nine out of 10 liners with that guy in it because of a risk tolerance thing, then I'll have to find a way to make more of the lineups that don't have him. And is that possible? And still maintain a good projection and ownership. And then go through and then I'll X out that guy and I'll make a hundred lineups without him. And then see if any of those lineups still fit within the set that I have from a projection and ownership standpoint. Maybe out of the hundred, I find three. So I add three to that. And then... I whittle all that down to the 10 lineups that I'm going to play or the 20 lineups I'm going to play or the 150 lineups that I'm going to play, right? You don't have to use exposure. You know, I'm not, I'm not even using exposures, right? I'm more likely to use exposures in baseball for stats, more likely than that. But in basketball, I'm less, much less likely to. I just want high projected lineups with lower ownership and then they should be, that's it. Everything else is diversification. Like once you, if, once you narrow it down to like, I, could, I, I only want to play, I'm playing 20 lineups today, but I generated 200 good lineups. Like out of these 200, I don't mind playing any 20 of them. Well, if you don't mind playing any 20 of them, maybe from a risk tolerance perspective, you'd rather not play, you know, the same guy in all 20 lineups. As long as you don't mind playing in, go to random.org and randomly select the 20 if you want i mean you could do that so uniques and all the settings in the build rules are primarily for diversification purposes they have nothing to do with creating good lines that's what you have the projections and the ownership for let's see anything else before we get out of here 
Going through. Oh, a lot of people did yelling at each other. People are saying about the game stack. Didn't I just say that about stacking? Don't go out of your way to stack an NBA. I've said that. I've said that in 17 different ways today. The stacks tool in lineup HQ is meant to help you for people that use groups. Not that that's what you should be doing. But there are instances where a lot of guys, like on today's slate, the best game on the slate, the high, the best rejected game on the slate for their price is the Milwaukee-Detroit game. It's almost likely, even if you weren't putting in the stacks, you're probably getting three bucks and one or two pistons in your lineup, regardless, just from a projection standpoint. So if you're like, if you're like oh, I want to make sure that happens, okay, then it's fine. But don't purposely go out of your way to like, I'm going to stack three guys on one side and three guys on the other side of the game and give up 30 points in projection. Like, yeah, yeah you shouldn't be doing that. We're just giving you an extra feature to make things easier if you do want to do certain things on certain slates in a certain way. That's it. Uh. Marco wants me to talk Champions League. I have no idea. Bayern Munich. Bayern, Bayern is the, the biggest favorite. I'm not playing Champions League. I hate, I hate Bayern slates. I hate Bayern slates. I, I, I was thinking about it yesterday. I was like, okay, I could play, I could play Champions League. That's at three o'clock. And then once I saw it's a it's a Bayern, it's a when Robert Lewandowski is going to be chalk at, at 12,500, even in cash games, like then it's not my type of slate. Right. Then it's like I what maybe GPP, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll make a GPP line. But I'm not gonna. I'm, like, I'll, I'll play the slates where 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 we don't have a 12k forward with minus 270 goal scoring odds is chalk. Good for GPP. You fade him in GPP, but I, I don't. I don't, I don't like relying on those guys in my doubles. So no, I, I will not be playing Champions League. But most likely, you're you're doing you're, you're playing Bayern today. Okay, so give me some thummy thumbs on your way out the door. Obviously, if you have any more questions about any of the features in Lineup HQ, I'm, I'm, I'm on every day, right? I'm on Monday through Friday. So you could always find me in the RG Discord, go on the NBA channel. We have, a, we have a Lineup HQ help channel. So if you have any questions about Lineup HQ, you could always go into LHQ-help in our premium Discord. And to be part of our premium Discord, click on the link in the description. Sign up for Roto Grinders Premium. $10 off your first month. You get all the projections. You, you get all the numbers. You get everything. To me, it's too cheap. I think it's way too cheap. And this is what I've been using since I started. Before I was a host, I only started here at Roto-Grinders hosting in 2019. I was a Roto-Grinders subscriber since 2016. So I eat my own dog food. I'm showing you the stuff that I use. I'm showing you the processes that I use. I showed you my, I show you my Roto-Tracker. I show you my 1099s. I show you how much the profit that, that I've made over the past six years. And... Uh, there's still going to be 95% of people that just don't do any of it. That's fine. And that's fine. Thank God. Right, Michael Dampier? Thank God they don't listen. Thank God they don't listen. Right? There are going to be people there go, oh, I, I got to go stack the games every day. It's like, that, that's, you probably not, you're probably not doing that. Just because the feature's there doesn't mean you have to use it. But in the same way, just because the, uh, what number of uniques, what number of range of outcomes, what number of like all this other type of stuff, 
This is all diversification tools. This is not like strategy tools. And people still get that wrong. Like, oh, well, are they going to look at a video and go, oh, he used three uniques and then he used 7% of this and then he used 10%. Like these numbers will change on a daily basis if they have it all. A lot of times I don't even mess, I don't even do anything in the screen at all. I'm just running 300 lineup sets at a time and then picking lineups. That's all I'm doing. Then occasionally I'm like capping ownership. And occasionally I'm like, I need to get a little bit more diversification just for the sake of me not going broke because having 83% of one guy that I don't necessarily am thrilled about, right? So, so, so these tools are, are meant to help you be more efficient, but actually building the lineups that you, you, so many people would be so much better served hand building for a long time and learning how to play DFS before they get to a tool that's meant for efficiency, not to just spit out lineups. No, it's meant to, so, so I don't have to make, you know how long it takes me to make 20 lineups hand build? It would take me an hour to do that well, right? It's like, well, what happens if I want to play a hundred? Well, like, what happens, I need to make 20 lineups, but I need to adjust 20 minutes before lock. It, it's, it's impossible to do that well. So then you have to use a tool like this to make the lineups that you would have made by hand. So that's what, how you should be thinking. Okay, doke. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Uh, as always, uh, hit that thumbs up button, subscribe, uh, notification bell. Uh, we got Grinders Live later tonight. Uh, uh, crunch time for premium members, or, or is there just a free crunch time today? There's something. There's, there's something going on, right? I, th I think it's free crunch time today. I think it's later today. You'll see it on the YouTube channel, right? If you subscribe, you'll you'll know you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, and I'll be back tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions, as always, on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.